Amen. It's good to be in the house of Josh. And I, I appreciate the Lord allowing us to come. And I'm just I'm going to be in Nehemiah chapter number one. If you have your Bibles, Nehemiah chapter number one, and uh, just get in mind the Lord. And uh, first of all, I want to mention a prayer request. Uh, back in March, uh, God called me. No, well, He called me a while back, but I surrendered back in the. Uh, first week in March to full-time missionary evangelism. Uh, he called me through. He used op- the opportunities he's given me. He's covered me up in opportunities. He used those opportunities in the preaching of his word and his word to call me into full-time missionary evangelism, which includes I'll be preaching in jails and prisons all over the nation, over the world, prison revivals all over the nation, the world churches, uh, camp meetings, revivals. I'll be doing a lot of missionary relief. I'll be going and preaching for missionaries while they come home on furlough. And uh, that's what God called me to do. And I would rather just get married, settle down at a little mountain church, but that ain't what God directed right now. So right now I'm preaching and working and uh, taking support from churches. And um, and I, Lord's willing, in January I will be going full-time, be quitting my job. And stepping out by faith is not stepping out on limb, it's stepping out on the Word. And, that's what we're going to try to do. In Nehemiah chapter number 1, uh, Lord, I love you. Thank you, Lord, so much for the opportunity, Lord, to preach your word tonight. God, I pray, won't you just please use it for your glory and your honor. God, I can't help nobody, but your precious word can. And God, I pray, won't you just please refresh us on this, on this subject, Lord. Uh, I pray, just please use it to minister to your people. In your name we pray much thanksgiving. Amen. And amen. Nehemiah chapter number 1 and verse number 1 says, The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hatchuliah, And it came to pass in the month of Chislu, in the twentieth year, as I was in Shushan, the palace, that Hananiah, one of my brethren, came, he, he and a certain man of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews. Asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the providence are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass, when I heard these words, I sat down and wept. And mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And we all, we all, in our younger years, we all study something in the Bible and think it means something. And especially younger preachers, then we preach it. And then years down the road, God shows us different. And for, for years, I, when I studied this and when I preached this, what I thought was that when these people told Nehemiah this bad news, when these people, when Nehemiah received this bad news about the wall, at that moment, he got the burden. He received the burden to build the walls. Uh, that's what I thought. And then with much study through this, the other morning, God turned the light on. And I pray that's got to show me what he wanted me to see through this. Uh, but when Nehemiah received this bad news, I do not believe at this moment he received the burden to build the wall. I believe by studying the scripture uh, that he received a burden towards prayer. And that's what I want to preach on. For, you already knew that, didn't you, brother? That's what I want to preach on for a little while tonight, on the burden towards prayer. Uh, the burden 
towards prayer. Brother Stacy Piercy, one of my dear friends, he mailed me this book. And he, he says he reads all the time. I just started. Normally I just read the Bible. I was one of these stubborn redneck preachers. Well, all I need to read is the Bible. But God's given me some extra nuggets through reading after some of his men. Uh, but this is a book on prayer he sent me. And this is a story about the 1800s. And it said this. God honored their burden bearing and sent revival. Privately they prayed and publicly God answered. Here's the good part. Practically everyone in the city was converted. Can I tell you something? Won't it be good if we practice in our life prayers of intercession where we get on our knees before God and we bear the burdens of others and we pray on the behalf of our county and we pray on the behalf of our state and we pray on the behalf of our nation and maybe, just maybe, we can watch God do publicly what we pray privately. And I find also in this book, it says this, I'm going to read this. This is how he closes out the book. Perhaps God will see fit to raise up others to have a similar ministry, which is talking about prayer, in, those, in these needy days. Can I tell you what convicted me? They called the 1800s needy days. We're living, brother, I'm just going to preach. We're living in days where alcohol is essential and the preaching of God's word is not. We're living in days where businesses that promote alcohol and promote same-sex marriages can uh, stay open while, meanwhile, they're closing the church doors. Can I tell you, even before this virus stuff, even before people were scared to death, we're living in the day where people all around us are dying and going to hell. We're living in the day and people in America don't even know who Jesus Christ is. And can I tell you, in this book, they said the 1800s is needy days. Friend, if there's ever been needy days, it's today. If there's ever been a time when we need to get on our knees before God and beg Him to touch our nation and beg Him to move and beg Him to send revival, it's the days we're living in. It said similar ministry in these needy days. Dear reader, will you consider the cost? the need, and the opportunity. Will you give yourself to a ministry of prayer as God leads and enables you? May I say, if I never get another opportunity to preach again, if I never have an opportunity to minister in a public way again, I have an opportunity to minister to on the behalf of others uh, in prayer. What a ministry it is. What a ministry is. Here's the thing. If I do not serve God privately, how in the world can I serve Him publicly? If I told Brother Boyd before I got here, I didn't pray and I didn't study, Brother Boyd, will you let me preach? Will you? No, no, you wouldn't. A lot of times people expect to serve God publicly and they never serve Him privately. That is what you call putting on a show. But we see here that Nehemiah, he had the burden towards prayer. When he got the bad news, he responded. He didn't react out of anger and he didn't start cursing the enemy. Oftentimes we react out of anger. And I see preachers react during the times we're going through out of anger. But Nehemiah responded and he done what he could do. Can I preach one message on what I can do to help? Fasting and praying and and doing everything you can do. Oftentimes, oftentimes we don't spend enough time in prayer. And this is how God taught me to pray. And I'm going to get out of introduction before I preach in there, brother. 
But this is how studying the Word of God, this is how I learned to pray. Number one, you thank God for who He is. Number two, you thank God for what He has done. Uh, number three, you repent. Number four, you pray for others. Number five, you pray for yourself and your own needs. You mean God comes first and I come last? Yes, that's how it's supposed to be. You mean others come before me? Others and their needs come before me and my needs? Yes, that's how it's supposed to be. But how Nehemiah responded to the bad news is he received the burden to pray. I'm going to get to my outline. I already preached 10 minutes. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> I haven't even started preaching yet. Uh, verse number 1, we realize that Nehemiah was living the best life. We realize, verse number 1, it said, As I was in Shushan, the palace, we realize by studying the word of God uh, that Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king. If you study the position of the cupbearer, uh, you realize that he had servants under him. He had, he had dining servants under him. He had a good job, good position. He was close to the king. He was living in the king's palace. He had people ministering to him as he ministered. Oh, uh, oh ain't that good, ain't it? Uh, I'm telling you, I'm glad that as we minister, God sends people on our way to minister to us. Ministering to the minister, hallelujah. Uh, but I find that he was living the best life. And what I see this as here is that it's easy. It's very easy to pray when everything is falling apart. Is it not? I, that don't make no sense to a lot of people. But hear what I'm saying. The hardest, most difficult time in my life that it's hard for me to pray is when everything's going good and nice. Oh, yes. That's how everybody is. When everything's going hunky-dory and everything's going nice and everything's good, they slack in their prayer life. Uh, but when, thing, when the bottom falls out and things start going bad and something happens, that is when people get on their knees and pray. My great aunt calls it using God as a genie. A lot of people call it using God as a spare tire. It is that you don't talk to God unless you need him. You don't ask God of nothing unless you need him. You do not pray unless you need him. My, my, my. Me and my, I love him to death. But here's the thing, when thing, he got the bad news, that is when he got on his knees. I ain't preaching against Nehemiah, but that's how we are, is it not? Everything's going good. We get caught up in the good life. We get caught up in the, in the good things of life. And we forget to pray. We'll, we'll barely pray ten minutes a day. We'll give God our sloppy seconds and our leftovers instead of our first fruits. And then when things go bad, we come crawling to him. Brother, I got a question for you. If you, if you locked your wife in a closet and you only, only talked to her Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, and when you wanted something, you went and opened the closet door and talked to her on, on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and only when you wanted something, will your relationship with your wife be strong? He'll be dead, he said. We'll be dead spiritually. That works out perfect, brother. What are you saying? Our relationship with God is not as close as it should be because oftentimes we go to the altar Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and we pray. And then during the week we ask God, we come to God when we're wanting something. But every day in our life we need to come to the throne room and 
Can I tell you, God gave his son to restore fellowship with us and we don't give him the time of day. Uh, he speaks to us through his word and we speak to him through the avenue of prayer. A prayer is the most unutilized, unused resource that we have, but it's one of the most best useful resources that we have. Uh, we have the one that's in charge. We have the ear of the one that has everything in his hand. We have access to talk to the one that is in charge of everything. I can speak to the king of kings and lord of lords, but no, we don't do that. We'd rather be on Facebook. We'd rather, uh, I'm, I'm Baptist, we'd rather gossip with Sister Blabbermouth. Uh, and we'd rather do everything but talk to the one that holds our future. My, my, my. We see not only was he living the best life, but he was learning from the brethren. Verse 2 and 3. That had an eye, one of my brethren came, he and a certain men of Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the providence are great are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down and the gates thereof are burned with fire. His brethren come back. This reminds me to when the men come to Joe and said, I only escaped to tell thee his brethren. It was somebody that he knew personally. They saw it with their own eyes. This news, this, was a, this news was personal to him. Can I tell you something? There's some things this might not affect the king. This, you know that he got the heart of the king and the king helped him. But this news might have not hurt anybody else in the kingdom. But it hurt Nehemiah. Uh, there's some things in our life. There's some things that we hear that hurt us. There's some things in our life that hinder us. Can I tell you something? I had an issue. My mom walked out and left us a few years ago and I would paid the bills. My brother back got taken away from social services. My dad was disabled and couldn't work. My mom was only breadwinner and it just ruined everything when she left. And I got so bitter and I got so bitterness towards her and I was a young preacher and it was destroying me. My preacher got me alone and said it was destroying me. People in the church was getting me alone and destroying me. Uh, said it was destroying me. Where are you going with this? And Here's what I'm doing with this. We all have things in our life and we all have bad news in our life and it's going to happen. It's going to come. It's life. But we have a choice that we have to make during that time. Uh, Nehemiah could have sat around and quiet and said, you know what, I give up. You know what, I quit. You know what, I ain't doing this no more. But he chose to beseech God. Can I tell you what will save you a lot of hurt? What will save you a lot of pain? If you get that bitterness, you get that unforgiveness, you get that hurt, you get that pain, and you bring it straight to God and get it to him. I'll save us a lot of time, wouldn't it, brother? A lot of trouble. My, my, my. We act like, here's the thing. I said this one time, and the whole congregation laughed at me. We pout about our pity party, and we're the ones hosting it. That's how it is. And we pout because we're going through a hard time when it's our choice if we're going to pout about it or bring it to God and give it to Him because we can't do nothing with it, but He can. I want you to see here, I'm not getting political at this next point, but I want you to see level ground. What are you saying? I'm saying this, the walls was tore down. Everything's tore down in Jerusalem. They used to have, with the walls, they used to have the higher advantage on the enemy. 
Or they used to have the advantage over the enemy. They used to have the higher ground, so to speak. Can I tell you? They used to have the advantage, but now they don't. Can I tell you, there used to be a day to where God's people had higher ground. God's people was respected. God's people was looked at with the most highest esteem. Uh, God's people, God's people, so to speak, had the higher ground. People looked up to us, God's people. People looked back in the 1900s, people looked up to God's people. They wouldn't dare shut the church doors down then. And they didn't have businesses open on Sundays. And they used to respect God's people and look up to God's people simply because God's people is real. But now the ground is level. It used to be they're looking up at us. Now everything's different, brother. We're looking at them eyeball to eyeball with the enemy. It's leveled. What are you saying? They don't see us as, oh, that's God's people. Oh, God, we're not putting our finger against God's people. No, no, no. To them, we're not what we used to be. We're not. That's a nation in a whole. We're, as churches in a whole, we are not what we used to be. Many church, many people uh, uh, I witnessed to says, uh, I don't go to church no more because that church is full of hypocrites. And most of the time that's an excuse, but most of the time they're telling the truth because I preached at most of those churches and I have to agree with them. They are full of a bunch of hypocrites. What are you saying? I'm saying this. Uh, we used to have higher ground and now it's leveled. We're going to have to start building back, working together. Working together to get back to where we used to be, where people reverenced and respected the people of God, where people didn't run down the man of God because he lived what he preached behind the pulpit. Everything he preached, he lived. We're living in a day where men of God preach one thing and live the complete opposite. You preach separation and go out and, and dress ungodly and listen to ungodly music. What are you saying? I'm saying this. We got to be separate. We got to rebuild. We got to rebuild our reputation. As Baptist people ruin our reputation. I'm just saying that. I'm just being honest with you. Brother, you heard this all your life. Your preacher's grandkid, you probably, your parents probably heard this. All these preacher kids joke. All the how preacher's kids are the most wildest kids. You know why? There's a generation that ruined the name for preacher's kids. Lord, help us today. What do you mean? It's going to be a fight if we're going to rebuild. Yeah, they had, they had the weapon in one hand and the tool in the other hand. You get your Bible and you live by it, you stand by it, and then you pray with everything in your being, and we can rebuild. We can have the higher ground again. This is making sense to you, brother. The devil's already beat me to death. I want you to see here, broken him up. This news, it broke him. You study broken things in the Bible. God uses broken things. Can I tell you that you let God break you? One of the best times I ever watched God move in my life was when I realized I'm nothing and He's everything and I begged Him to use me. When He broke me through His Word. Lastly, you know, broken EMI produced a burden EMI. EMI was burdened. We, we all know. That after burden, God provides a calling. That's what happened with missionary evangelism. Me, He gave me a burden first, and then He gave me the calling to go on with it. But can I tell you, we need some people with a burden to be a help. 
a burden to pray, a burden to bear each other's burdens, to be an intercessor. I preached a message out of church called Prayers of Intercession about Abigail and Abel. You ever studied that, brother? Abigail and Abel. I can't remember if it's 1 Kings or 2 Kings, but this is in there summers. Uh, but I preached a message on prayer of intercession. And what I did was, I, Lord led me to ask prayer requests before, we, before I gave the altar call. And people was naming people they wanted to get saved. Uh, people that they wanted to see God save. And they went down the altar and they begged God to send revival. They begged God to move. They begged God to work. And, and they begged Him for an hour and a half that Sunday morning. It was an hour, an hour and a half after the message. Revival broke out. It went two weeks. Preacher said, we're putting up tent. That preacher would put up tent and fall. Every single body that they prayed for that Sunday morning got saved. A young preacher's mom and daddy that church has been praying for, he got picked up by the preacher. They got saved. What are you saying? What are you saying? I'm saying this. If God don't know how much you want people to get saved, if God don't know how much your lost family, how much, if God don't know how much you want your lost family to get saved, how in the world are they ever going to know? My, 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 Lord help us today. True revival, all the revivals in history. Brother, I feel like I'm flopping, but bear with me. All the great true revivals in history started with prayer meetings. If we have a burden towards prayer, we'll have a burden towards the lost, and we'll have a burden towards revival, and we'll see things like we've never seen, and we don't see it because we don't ask for it. My, my, my. Lord, help us to have a burden towards prayer. Thank you, Brother Boyd. I'm finished.